Hi, I'm Bob Crawford from the Avid Brothers, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network, a global community connecting passionate music fans with podcasts about music, artists, and culture. For more information about all the shows in our network, please visit OsirisPod.com. Osiris. Welcome in to episode 80 of The Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside Jeff Colas. Thanks for joining us as we take our weekly journey through the live catalog of Widespread Panic. Um, Jeff, how are things down your way? Uh, it's Well, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so that means Fox TV night in our house. So mm. Gordon Ramsay at 7 with the uh, to 24 hours to hell and back or whatever and they were in memphis at a restaurant that i've actually been to which is frightening and uh followed by the mass singer which is uh apparently america's number uh, uh number one new show or something like that which makes me question a lot about america but i think we were probably doing that before on this show too um and the shutdown's still on and tennessee basketball is number one and uh, they got a bunch of snow in Wisconsin, and Memphis is still Memphis. How about you, Harvey? Um, yeah, we're doing okay. It was really cold this past weekend uh, and got some snow, and um, the Saints were robbed of a Ooh. trip to the Super Bowl. Yes, but agreed. Other than that, things are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've recovered from the Saints uh, debacle. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a football game, you know. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be fine. We we've won the Super Bowl already. It's disappointing, but you know, it'll be okay. It's so mature. They're more important things. So mature. <laughs> some would say old. Yeah, some would say old, and you just and you're just an old guy that bitches about football games and talks about Mikey. Um, I just want to give a shout out to to one of our our big fans. Um, my, a buddy of mine sent me this screenshot from this Facebook group, which I can't say on the radio because it's a, that's a dirty word in the title of the Facebook group, but somebody, I guess had brought up, uh, our podcast and was asking, you know, if anybody had listened to it and, uh, this guy, Nolan, I'm not going to say his full name just because, you know, I don't want to like get all of our, you know, groupies to go after him, but, um, he he didn't have many nice things to say about the pod, really. <laughs> uh, he said that basically he wasn't really interested in people examining shows and shit, and he thinks there's a lot more that can be done. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's just uh, just two old dudes listening to Mikey and comparing shows and shit," <laughs> <laughs> which I think should be our new slogan because it pretty much nails it. I would just while I might. Uh take issue with some of his commentary um i don't take issue with that that is 100 percent accurate <laughs> anyway i i hope you know you'll give us another shot nolan but if not then you know i'm sure <laughs> that you can find some other podcasts that will 
keep you entertained. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to to our friend Bob just because he uh, <laughs> he was he was very happy that we that we gave him shout outs the last two weeks. So I want to give him another one this week just to keep the string going. He appreciates it. Our, our, we'd, we'd like to hear from more fans. If we hear some from more fans, we might give out more regular shout outs. Well, I will. I'll give out, I'll give out, a, there's, I've got a couple, a couple other ones. Um, let me see if I can find, uh, Colin Liston. Do you remember Colin Liston? Yeah. The you trade tapes with Colin Liston? Yeah. Probably, probably at one point. So he was, um, he he had sent me sent us an email uh, last year about the uh, Tallahassee 1993 show, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. And um, he said he had a DAP, but then he lost lost it and was hoping that that I would upload uh, my copy, which was a CD copy. And um, and then so this was back in August, and then like a week ago, he he tweeted at me and panic stream maybe. And like, was like a little bit of a taunt at us about like, not up, you know, like that I had it, but I hadn't uploaded it yet. (laughs) And then, uh, but then he realized that it was actually on panic stream now. So that show is up there. The one 1993 from Tallahassee. So he emailed me to apologize for, for the sort of knock that he gave us on Twitter. But I mean, it really wasn't that bad. Um, but I did think that was sort of timely considering what we're going to talk about this week. Um, and then, uh, and then I had another guy, Jason, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but, uh, he was, uh, he went to seven, four was his first show. And yeah. so he, he was excited to hear that. And, um, he has been to 300 shows since, which is quite impressive. Yeah. And so I directed him to our T-shirt from seven five ninety seven, which we uh, brought up in the last episode, the driving disco, driving breathing so T-shirt, and which is still available at teespring.com. dot com. Uh, the link in the show notes and on our Facebook page, if you want to buy the T-shirt, high quality T-shirt, and um, help support the podcast. And uh, so, uh, so shout out to Jason for for his message. So, yeah. So we'll give you shout outs if you reach out, if we think about it. And, uh, many thanks to the, the, the handful of people that have bought shirts. Yeah. So, yeah keep them coming. Provider. That's great. That's great. Uh, I'm excited to get mine so that I can rock it at the, uh, at the Washington DC show and everybody be like, <laughs> Oh man, where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but, should I order some extras and like sling them out of the uh, the trunk of my my Uber that I'll be taking there? I think you should see if you could rent a uh, t-shirt cannon for the weekend <laughs> and uh, fire them from your car towards towards the venue and see if you can get any uh, get any hits. Um, okay, so before we get into the to the topic at hand, which we'll we'll let everybody know, I'm sure you can you'll tell if you looked at the uh, the title <laughs> of the episode by now is uh, January 1993, and um, which is funny because we were talking about the uh, the show from Tallahassee, which is um, one of two 
uh, shows that we've played from January 1993. We also did a segment from one sixteen ninety three from the Ritz uh, in Tampa. We did a uh, chili drums Parsons chili sandwich, and that was in honor of your uh, Cigar City beer selection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you made that choice, but um, and then we did from uh, from Tallahassee, Florida, one of my favorite segments of all time, which is the start of the second set from the moon, which is a flatfoot floozy driving, please driving Hatfield rock, which is awesome. Um, if you haven't heard that before, go check that out. That's episode 23. It's like literally one of my all time favorite segments of panic. Awesome rock. Awesome floozy. So, um, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper, uh, a little bit later in January, um, from that tour. But, uh, before we we get to that, do you did you discover anything uh, cool this week to tell people about? Um, not really. I guess I'll put in a uh, I'll put in a, a thumbs up to treadmills. Huh. Uh, okay, which I, know, which I know is random, but uh, modern day treadmills I, I think are really something else. They're so technologically advanced. And um, for the things that you can do, you can plug your, ours has a Bluetooth thing, or it also can be hardwired, so we can play music, or I play TV shows through it. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a nice thing to not have to go outside and exercise at 9.30 in Memphis, Tennessee. I can just go on the mm-hmm. treadmill. So, yay treadmills. All right. Um, I want to give a shout out to... Uh, it's a story that is gaining some, um, I don't know what's, what's the term, you know, some, some, uh, some social momentum, I guess, some social media momentum. Uh, it is about, uh, the son of a friend of mine, uh, who is a 10 year old from Lexington, Kentucky named Ace Davis. His dad is Chris Davis and they are diehard, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. Um, and he recently did a science project at school. Uh, and the topic of his science project uh, was, is Tom Brady a cheater? <laughs> and, and so he, he broke it down and uh, Ace actually won the science fair with his, oh. is Tom Brady a cheaty, cheater project. And, uh, the story has picked up a little bit of momentum. I think it is on currently uh, on sportsnot.com and a ut.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, um, but it's pretty cool to see it. And his, the quote was uh, they asked Ace if, uh, if there was anything he'd like to tell Tom Brady. And he said, uh, give me some of your money. You don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i like this Which is, yeah it's pretty awesome so uh <laughs> so check that out if you get a chance but did but he props use to uh, back up his uh his thesis what was well name? i mean there's there's some pictures of uh i mean what's the what's the the name of the like three panel you know yeah. cardboard presentation mm-hmm. um and, you know he's got a hypothesis a procedure materials pictures research graph conclusion 
And uh, let's see. So it was I just what, five words, Tom Brady is a cheater? So the conclusion was the Patriots were found guilty of doctoring football, thus losing $1 million and future draft picks. Tom Brady is indeed a cheater. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's pretty good. So props to him. Man. Um, oh, man, that's awesome. So anyway, uh, speaking of, I don't know that I'm going to be able to bring myself to watching the Super Bowl this year because Ugh. I just can't. I can't stomach the rooting for the Rams. And I, at this point, I just can't <laughs> handle any more Belichick. And uh, and Brady, I even I found myself. I mean, I've I've had to in the past root for the Patriots to beat the Seahawks because I hate Pete Carroll, and that was the year that they beat uh, the Saints, and to beat the Dirty Bird Falcons in the Super Bowl on twenty eight to three. So that's two times I've had to root for the Patriots in the last few years, and I did not want to. I can't do it again. I can't bring myself to it. It's awful. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty. Um... It's 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 just an excuse to get together with people and have some dip in a cocktail on a Sunday evening. And the halftime show is going to be terrible, too. Um, yes. So there's yes. really, really nothing. Not, to look not much. No. no. Um, I, you know, there obviously Saints fans are upset and there's, you know, petition and then somebody's suing the NFL or whatever. I mean, obviously <laughs> they're not going to change anything. The result is a result. But I did see somebody say, you know, they ought to just get the Chiefs and the Saints together to play a game on Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. And obviously more people would be interested in watching that game. It would be Probably. way more entertaining. And, uh, you know, so... That was the. I actually like that suggestion. I doubt that would happen, but um, that would be pretty cool. Third place game. I just. Uh, it was remarkable to me that both games were decided by this questionable call. One a questionable no call, and then another just a questionable call. Mm. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Not a questionable call, but but still by re- by referees being involved in in some way, shape, or form. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And All right. I've got to let go. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it anymore, Jeff. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's all right. Well, uh, start feeling the blood pressure rising. The, um, our theme for this week, uh, like Harvey mentioned is January 93, which sort of landed on when we were thinking about what we wanted to do for another episode this month. Um, obviously we had sit and ski. We had, did two episodes last year. Um, Sinski is, of course, is, is a legendary tour, and people still love to listen to those shows and talk about it. And it's obviously historically significant for a lot of reasons. But I was really interested to see when else the band had played a bunch of shows in January, not just one or two, but more than more than that, an entire tour, really. And so we had to go all the way back to 1993 for that. And we, like Harvey said, we had played a couple segments from. From earlier shows, the the show at, at University of the South in Sewanee is, is is a show that's pretty well known. But I started listening to shows that I hadn't really listened to before, and we ended up with three really good segments, I think, from end of '93. And those of you will remember when we did the fall '93 show that Harvey and Ted did. I was conspicuously absent. Well, the reason why I was absent mostly, and I texted Harvey this, was since we were going to have to listen to 93 soundboards, I didn't want to be a part of the show. 
because I have a hard time listening to 93 soundboards. But the best part about January 93 is audience tapes. Really mm. pretty good uh, NOC 300 CP4 audience tapes. So whoever was running the NOC 300s back in early 93, tip of the cap um, to them because they made some really nice tapes considering uh, the environment in which they were recording in, which was a lot of bars and small clubs. Yeah, um, I actually asked Sam Holt about that because I was Ooh, nice. listen, listening to those tapes and really did enjoy. I mean, there's some good, good tapes, and so I thought I didn't know if maybe he had, you know, done them. I didn't know what he was running back then or not, but um, he said Richard Kerlopian most likely. Oh, okay. Um, they would, they went that on to do. That he went on to do mer- uh, the merch for the band. I think sort of oh, in the okay. mid to late nineties. But he said he knew that he was using the NAC three, uh, Nakamichi three hundreds back, uh, back in ninety three. So uh, that was his bet. But um, nice. so yeah, uh, shout out to Richard Kalipian for pulling some pretty awesome tapes and probably some not so ideal yeah. <laughs> venues. Uh, uh, I can't so. imagine Miskins in Charleston, South Carolina, was acoustically sound by any stretch. Right. Um, but again, I think one of the things you're going to hear is. One, some great great playing, great shows, great tapes. But the thing that I love about early shows, I mean, this is, while this is what we consider 93 to be the modern era of Panic, um, they're still relatively early considering how long the band's been around, is when the band starts playing a song that we know as like one of the band's hits, a legendary song, Stop, Go, Diner, Chili, whatever it might be. And this is January 93, and you've already got people screaming and cheering and 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 you know, given war whoops when they start playing stop go. Like I always thought that was, I think that's really cool. <laughs> Just yeah. in terms of, you know, at a, at a small club in Charleston in January 93, the band is still getting that kind of reaction from people. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, this is still sort of in the sweet spot of their, you know, fan base, obviously Charleston. And uh, we play something from uh, the next night in Raleigh and then, uh, and then we're we going to finish it up with we're gonna go every other night. all the way up to Washington, D.C., right? So that's right. a little bit maybe on the northern edge, but still, I mean, it's, you know, um, so you definitely have more. It's not like you're out in uh, in California or like, like uh, Ted and I were doing the stuff out in, you know, Idaho and Kansas and, and Montana and uh, Seattle and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they. Uh, you can tell, and again, it's the benefit of the audience tapes, as you can tell that the the fans are into it, and the band is is really pretty locked in. There's some really, I mean, I was not expecting to hear the sort of, um, uh, you know, stretching of the legs that that we hear in some of these segments, uh, real sort of like you know second level jams uh, that you would expect more from a you know like 98, 99 era as opposed to 93. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this, um, the first, this first show, um, I think is more, is pretty tight in terms of the segues. The second segment for sure from Boone on the 28th is the, is the one where they're, they're starting to stretch it out a little bit. So Mm -hmm. let's get started. Um, let's go start off on January 26th, 1993 at Miskin's in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're, this is a, one of the other things about this tour is the mixing of 
two set shows and one set shows and kind of yeah. alternating almost a little bit too. So, um, well, and set- uh, yeah, I think Ted had mentioned in the past, I don't know if this is a case here in January, but definitely in the fall 93, that that was a result of openers that if there was an opener, they would do a one setter. And if there was, you know, if it was the, if they were the only act, they would do a two set show. So not sure if that's the case through here, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, so first set here in Charleston, AFD pigeons, please opener followed by fishwater, sea Brown Hatfield, better off love tractor, chili. That's just the first set. That's pretty good. Uh, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Second set diner, West Virginia Wrangler, and to walk in the 1993 special, uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 in no use Papa's way to the world. And then we get to our segment, which is the closing segment of the show, of the regular part of the show. We'll get started with the, the give me a kiss on Tuesday.
right, January 26th, 1993 from Miskins in Charleston, South Carolina. Do we know that it's Miskins and not My Skins? Or it's My Skins seems kind of creepy. Yeah, that is, that is super creepy. We'll go with My Skins. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was, this is the, uh, the latter part of the second set. Um, started off with Gimme and then Machine into Worry. Stop go into Henry Parsons died. So um, there's a lot to like in this segment. Um, I listened to it. Uh, the first time I listened to it, I was like, man, this is really good. And then I listened to it again yesterday, I think, and was just like, found like more things to like about it. But um, there's, you know, the, I thought the gimme was, uh, not boring at all, which sometimes gimmies can be. There's, there's kind of, there's kind of a badass schools jam at the end. And then, um, you know, I would put this and I don't know, I'd have to maybe go back and listen to other machine worries. Have there been many of those? There's been a handful of them. Look, um, I mean, that may be the baddest ass machine into, thing that i've ever heard i mean it just like i mean the machine into barstools is a cool slick you know segue but man it just like explodes into worry is so good um it looks like the last time they did that was uh 323.95 it's the last time they did a machine machine into worry um so it uh yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. That was really good. And then um and then the end of the stop go I thought was really really good. Um yeah, you really start to sense that Jojo is starting to get comfortable in uh, and I think you hear it you hear pieces of that in all three of these segments that we're playing. Um especially on the organ that Jojo is getting more comfortable kind of leading jams and not just following along. Um uh, and really like the the part that he does uh about halfway through stop go and um just really really like that and then the stuff on uh the 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 segment between stop go and henry parsons um really kind of psychedelic for uh i mean i say it like I mean, they were doing psychedelic stuff, obviously, like really early too. But it seemed like I always think of '93 and '94 as being pretty straightforward. '92, '93, '94, the band's you know pretty much playing things straight ahead. But but maybe that's a maybe I'm mistaken in thinking that because this is some pretty out there stuff, and there's also some more of that you know in the uh, the next segment too. But um, I really enjoyed especially a lot of this segment, but especially the machine into worry and the stop going to, into Parsons. Yeah. It's a, this whole run of shows, this one twenty six through, I guess the first, um, February 1st, and we're going to play 26, 28 and 30. Um, there's moments I think like this in probably all of the shows. This one is probably, I, th- I think the best performance, um, just in terms of the tightness of it. Um, but yeah, this segment's really great. Uh, totally agree with you on the machine into worry. Uh, the jam out of stop goes great. The Henry Parsons is intense. I just love this segment because it's, and we didn't do the hello, the low spark closer. And it's rare that we would not do a low spark closer if it's on the table. 
Um, but the thing that I really like about these, this altogether is it's just, or it's the set list texture of it too. Um, hmm. hard and soft, slow and fast, um, all kind of in one little package. And especially at the end of a set like that, um, but it builds that machine where is super intense stop, go builds towards the segue into Henry Parsons and the Henry Parsons. It's just like this explosion of sound. And then you get into the low spark, which is a great way to, to end the show. So this is a, this is a good one for sure. I mean, even though, you know, looking at it on paper, it, it's a, it's a reasonable, you know, back half of a second set. I, f- I find it hard to believe that the band would, would play something like that now. You know, I mean, it seems like, like machine is that, you know, is really a, f- a first set song now and stop go maybe in some ways too, you know, it just, it seems like those placements are not uh, something we would come to see these days, but I think it works really well. Um, obviously back then they had a little less of a catalog to work with. Uh, and uh, so they had to get more creative with the placement, but um, yeah, I, I like it. It was good. They good might, pick. They might- they might throw in a uh, Street Dogs or a uh, Stevens Cat or something in there. <laughs> there you go, sounding old again, Jeff. There you go, sounding old again. All right, well, so we'll skip ahead two nights. Uh, the show at, in Raleigh on the 27th is a good one. Definitely check that out. Oh, also, an interesting note, uh, just sorry, before we move on from Charleston, is the encore of uh, West Virginia Port Song, Flatfoot Floozy, is the very first West Virginia Ah, so there you go. Um, now was um, was West Virginia previously mm, Mellow Jam? What was what's the other one? Uh, Happy Child was Tuesday's Lullaby, I think. Is that what it was called? I don't know. I, f- yeah, I feel like those were. Right. Yeah, I think. I think. Uh, Happy Child was Tuesday's Lullaby, and I think West Virginia used to be called Mellow Jam. So, um, anyway, a little, little inside baseball meta conversation that, you know. Yes, Tuesday's Sets Lullaby us apart from Jam. other... <laughs> okay. Um, and then West Virginia. Does it say anything about West Virginia? Yes, Mellow Jam. Nice job. Hey, how about that? Two for two, Harvey. Two for two. Man. Um, so the band uh, jumps ahead. They head up into the mountains and go to Appalachian State University, play at a club called Legends. I wonder how many clubs named Legends there are in the United States. Um, seems like there's a number of them, and I think Panics probably played it more than one. Um, now, this one says it's at Appalachian State University. So does that yes. mean that Legends is on the campus of That's- Appalachian State? Based, uh, you have to, you'd have to make that guess. Um, maybe some App State alums can uh, can fill us in. But this is a, a single set show, and after a send your mind opener, send your mind opener, uh, the band comes back with driving song and really embarks on a pretty fantastic middle part of this set. So let's get it started with the driving song.
January 28, 1993 at Legends at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. After a Cindy Mine opener, we go Driving Song into Pilgrims, into Happy Child, into Jam, into Driving Song, into Walk On, into Papa's Home. Um, that was sort of a hybrid of the Panic Stream and Everyday Companions that lists. Uh, Everyday Companion has one of the jams, but not the other, and they don't have segues between Driving Song Papa's home, whereas Panic Stream does. Um, Harvey, you did a little research on legends at App State. Would you like to share what you found during the break? Yeah. So apparently, legends is um, is a you know, it's part of the student union. Maybe is sort of the uh, the venue on campus that they have uh, uh, have concerts and events, you know, comedy shows and stuff like that, um, and just want to want to talk i mean props to the folks at app state um so you have to be 18 or older to get in and and have uh, a student id um shoes and shirts must be worn at all times smoking not allowed um those that are 21 and older can possess or consume alcohol cannot be purchased at legends byob only uh, a six pack of beer or wine coolers or a 750 ml bottle of unfortified wine per person may be brought in legends at an alcohol permitted event. <laughs> and then you have to deposit the beverages at the bar immediately upon entering. And then I guess you can get it. You can retrieve it during the, but that's pretty freaking awesome. Like I can't yeah. imagine a venue on campus that was like, ah, eh, sure, you know, you can bring your booze. <laughs> but okay. you got to think it's better than than sending people out onto you know into town to do stuff like that. You know, sure. especially if they're over twenty one. I mean, there's no reason. Um, I mean, I remember at Tulane has had the uh, their Raskeller. I'm sure your your wife can tell you about that. Yeah. Uh, that was like in the in the basement of the student center that was just a bar basically mm-hmm. um, so you know props to app state I, you know, I always heard good things about that so that, that maybe one of the reasons legends <laughs> and um, and a great and a great panic show from january and a great 1993. panic show 93 um and great panic shows other great app state panic shows 10 10 96 for 22 um Nine thirty ninety-five. Nine thirty ninety-five. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a good segment. Uh, really, in the band, this is this is one that held my interest in. You know, I listened to a lot of this stuff at work, so it not only held my interest, but it made me go back and re-listen to some different parts. But really stretching out um, on this on this segment, the band. So I think what you said last time in terms of the band stretching its legs, I think this is the segment of the three that we're going to play that really highlight that. So um, a couple of things that are kind of cool of note, I think uh, obviously you have a send your mind opener, knock that down. Ding, ding. One of my choices of best open traditional openers. Um, And then they go straight into this driving sandwich and um, the pilgrims driving pilgrims driving is the only the very only the seventh time that it had ever been played, um, and uh, you know it, it debuted in September '92 as an instrumental, and then they play it in the New Year's run of '92, uh, and then you know it becomes about in every every second or third show uh, 
you know, it's basically January 93 is, uh, you know, kind of the birth of pilgrims. And, um, so it makes me wonder if, you know, if that was, uh, the reason for the sort of more intense exploration out of pilgrims back into driving. I mean, I always think of that as being a place where they can, or they get a little bit out there, um, you know, as they work their way back into driving song. Uh, but to kind of work in the happy child kind of jam, jam into, uh, out of happy child into driving. And then, um, you know, later on in the walk on segment, uh, Definitely some cool stuff for the band. Yeah, this is, um, again, like I said, this whole run of shows is really good, but this is, uh, some, again, I think real creativity. It's just, 93 is such an interesting year, and 94 is just not. Um, and maybe we need to... I don't know, I think I'd argue, I think we. I think there's some stuff there. There's I think we need there. to... I think we, yeah. it's going to be 25th anniversary time, we can do something. Yeah. I don't find it as interesting. Yeah. But so I will yeah. take some show wrecks from the fans out there. But ninety three, I think, is really interesting because again, the set, the 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 repertoire is really short at this time. Um, ninety four, yeah, but you still haven't gotten shorter. into the ain't life grand, ain't life grand stuff hadn't come. Yeah. You know, you're really they're really only on the three albums. Um, so uh, they're so. they're getting there's and they still got a little bit of that bar band mentality of stretching things out and making sets longer. So it's. It's just really interesting to me how they're putting these shows together, especially when they're playing the same songs um, a lot of the time. And this and this part of the tour is so much different, or this part of the year is so much different than the April part of the tour, which is mostly colleges. It's where they play at University of Wisconsin Platteville and University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, St. Cloud State, um, where it's very short one set shows and not a lot of. Um, jamming yeah, pretty straightforward right when they're when they're you're almost like the, you just got to think about what the audience is right like you know the audience here in boone is has yeah. probably seen panic a few times right and they maybe have uh a couple tapes uh you know studio tapes and you know maybe the the folks in wisconsin don't have as much so you're, you're playing more of a kind of a festival set right you know more of a greatest hits than than mind melters. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's been, it's clear. You can see where their booking is really focusing on getting college gigs. Cause you know, at, at, you know, colleges, especially public universities, maybe at that time, and not, maybe not as much now had money to spend on bands. They probably weren't, weren't much more than 2,500 bucks or something like that. So it was, who was the, who was, who was the biggest band that played uh, your, your undergrad college campus so i remember four show five shows and i went to three of them and it was uh willie porter who if any of you are from the upper midwest know willie porter um the klezmatics which was a great klezmer band and then uh this one's really hilarious. So when the Packers went to the Super Bowl in 1997, so that would have been my freshman year of college, there was a song that was really popular in the state of Wisconsin called Go You Packers, Go Go, um, by a band called the Weisenheimers. And they played a show in, the, in our student union, and it was like the most people I ever, I think probably the most people I ever saw at a public event at, on, on my campus. Um, because they played that ridiculous song and everybody knew it because it was like the Packers fight song that year because they were good and they were going to go to the Super Bowl. But the two biggest bands that came to my college were the Gin Blossoms. 
Oh, yeah. And the Goo Goo Dolls, which I mm. did not go to because I was on the campus activities board and I fought tooth and nail for Panic to come to lacrosse, had worked out the numbers, had made this really great pitch as to you could do a midweek show when you draw from Minneapolis and Madison and Milwaukee. If you got a weekend, you draw from all over, especially, you know, I made the whole pitch, right? Because I was one of the kids that would have wanted to be on the road for that. And I never could convince uh, mm. my fellow students to go with it. So, and so that was Goo Goo Dolls instead of that? Um, that year or was Jim Blossoms, Jim one or the other. Instead of that, and then the year after was uh, Goo Goo Dolls, um, and they played in the new uh, student gym that year. So, How about um, you? who did you have in your school? Well, so I'm trying to think. Uh, just the ones that stick out of my mind. I know there were more than this, but uh, definitely freshman year when I'm on campus. Uh, walk to the to the like student center ballroom, and I don't think I knew anybody. I went by myself and um, saw the Canels. Oh yeah, who are you familiar <laughs> with those guys? I'm sure people semi-frequent listeners out opener, there semi frequent openers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean I liked them a decent amount because I'd seen them like on 120 minutes on MTV or something, and mm-hmm. um, that was a good show. And then. There is a uh, jazz series at the uh, what's called Memorial Hall, which is like the the oldest building on campus. It was just like a you know uh, a stage with a, you know a bunch of rows of seats, and they would have big classes in there. But then they would have concerts sometimes too. And I saw uh, the Roy Hargrove Quintet there, Ooh. and then I saw um, Michael Brecker play there. <laughs> Those are both really good. Smooth jazz, Michael Brecker. And then, yeah, and then uh, at the Singletary Center, which is sort of the center for the arts, I saw um, uh, Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter duo, oh. which was pretty badass. And I have to say, that was one of the few shows where I was like, I almost fell asleep during the show <laughs> because I mean, it was so chill. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was a duo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so that, but that was a good show. And then, uh, I saw Ravi Shankar at the Singletary wow. center for the arts. And then my senior year, about a week before I graduated in the same building at Memorial Coliseum, I saw widespread panic. So that was a student. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with that, but props to the guys that did. So that was spring 99, which was sort of a, a college campus tour from my mm-hmm. recollection. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so four twenty three ninety nine. Actually, the night before was at Boone at App State, uh, and then they played at Memorial Coliseum. So, so in yeah, case definitely. In case everybody was wondering, Harvey went to a much larger public university than I did, <laughs> right. and one with yeah. be- one with way better taste, apparently. Too. Right, and uh, or maybe it's just I think they had other shows. I just had better taste for the ones I went to. Yeah. Um, and I had friends like I would never have gone to the Roy Hargrove show, but I had some friends who had really good taste in music. So that helped too. Same with Ravi Shankar. I don't think I would have ever gone to see Ravi Shankar. Um, if I didn't have buddies that were like, dude, we're getting to go see Ravi Shankar. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, sorry. That was a digression. That's okay. But, um, You're just an old guy talking about, 
talking about stuff. <laughs> about Mikey Panic. <laughs> about Mikey Panic. So uh, um, after leaving Boone, the band heads up north to the flood zone at Richmond, Virginia, the one of the home venues for the Dave Matthews Band. That little band. Yeah. And this is probably about, I mean, this is in the sweet spot for, I mean, Dave Matthews really got going in like, what, September 92, maybe? And Mm -hmm. all through 93, they were playing the tracks in the flood zone pretty regular. So. uh, And then we get to the Bayou in Washington, D.C. on January 30th, 1993. Um, Should also mention that this is just a scant, a week week plus after the inauguration of William Jefferson Clinton as wow. the 47th uh, president of the United man. States. Simpler that was a d- different world back then. Simpler times. <laughs> different um, if any of you have an affinity for the former president. Um, but this show had... Uh, check, huh? check out season two of Slow, check out season two of slow <laughs> Burn. Yeah, you your affinity will go... <laughs> Um, but here we go with another uh, single set show. This one with an opener with uh, a band called World Without Fear as the opener, which I can only imagine what World Without Fear sounded like. I should should look them up. Um, but this one, again, is a pretty standard 93 show in terms of the same players in the set list. Disco Seabrown, Please Make Sense, Mercy, Conrad, Henry Parsons, Diner, Rory, Papa's Driving, Love Tactor, Driving, Walking, Can't Pump My Way, Home Proving, which always seemed to find each other in 93. Um, and then mm-hmm. a dream song, Send Your Mind Encore. But we're going to play the third song out from this show, which is the Meters classic, Just Kissed My Baby. Thank you. 
Panic at the Bayou in Washington, D.C., January 30th, 1993. Uh, the Meters Classic just kissed my baby with a massive quote from another, another Meters Classic, Sissy Strut. This is an awesome version of this song. I know we played it a couple, three times on, on the podcast, and it's always been a, a welcome, welcome uh, sight, welcome listen at any show. But this one is really good, and the band, I think, is just still riding high from the previous few nights. And uh, just that sissy strut um, quote in the middle of the the middle of the uh, just kissed is is so spot on and played so well and fits so fits perfectly. Um, it's hard not to pick it for this uh, for this episode. Uh, yes, no, and um, I I do miss. I mean, this is like I don't know. I just love sissy struts inside of just kiss my baby. And I think you're right. This is maybe the quintessential uh instance of it and i don't know why they stopped you know what i mean it seemed like it was something they did every time in like 92 and i guess now into 93 but then at some point they just stopped and you know i don't know why they wouldn't throw that in now i know they've played it a couple times uh sort of standalone uh once with george and once with jimmy but i don't know why it wouldn't be a more regular part of you know like a like satisfied or thank you is to bar stools while they wouldn't throw a, a sissy strut in to just kiss my baby. But, um, did you know that the, uh, that the Bayou is shut down? Oh, another it was, it was raised in 1999. Um, here's a list of some of the bands that has played that have played in at the Bayou. Um, this is pretty impressive. Uh, red hot chili peppers, uh squeeze peter tosh the police fish dave matthews band blue oyster cult lindsey buckingham the new orleans radiators hootie and the blowfish kiss dire straits the tom tom club foreigner the kinks <laughs> wow that's pretty pretty amazing so that they were that really good quite a run yeah so um I believe I have anything. Go ahead. Well, as I say, did you have anything else about the uh, about the panic music? No, I was just trying this? to um, see which Dave Matthews uh, tape I had from the Bayou. I think I had mm-hmm. twelve twenty one ninety two. Um, okay. And my my box of Dave Matthews that I would lend out in mass when Dave Matthews was 
the popular thing on campus back in uh, 97. Yeah. I had to guess. But uh, now that we're, this is, but this is not a Dave Matthews podcast. So, uh, widespread panic. Good job in January 1993. <laughs> good job. Good effort. Yep. Good effort, guys. Um, so, I don't know when we'll have a chance to revisit 93. I do think we definitely need to get into um, to 94. So, if anybody has any suggestions on... Um, I mean, I've got a few shows in mind. Most of them, I think, are more uh, fall, you know, like fall era. But if anybody out there has any good uh, spring or summer 94, uh, happy to hear some of that as we embark on the 25th anniversary of that uh, that year. And then um, I was thinking we might do some spring 99 uh, with the 20th anniversary of that. And there's some like there's some really good playing there. So mm-hmm. um if anybody has any suggestions, happy to take those. I threw out, um, I think I'm going to try to meet up with, uh, with RJB from the helping friendly podcast when I'm up in, uh, in DC, uh, in March. And I think we're going to do maybe some or all of our crossover podcast stuff then. And, um, yeah, I, nice. I, I asked, I asked the, uh, asked the people if they would. So the idea was like, you know, give me a couple shows, a couple sort of, you know, entry point panic shows to give to him to listen to before we talk. And, um, man, talk about opening up a <laughs> Pandora's box. I mean, I was like, here's, I forget what I put out. I mean, I think I was like, here's three or four shows. I think I said, um, four, three, 96, five, seven, 97, five, five, 99 and 10, 28, 2000. Those are my four. And so I was more looking for people to like pick out of those, but instead I got like 24 more suggestions, um, which didn't really help, but, <laughs> but it was good. There were some good, there were definitely some good suggestions. So, um, do you have any, do you have any, what would be your two to give to a, to a fish fan that's never really listened to panic? Uh, I think you probably for sure. Five, seven, 97. Um, I mean, a personal one I would throw in twelve one two thousand, but I think that mm. four three ninety six is probably a winner too. I mean, there's really, I mean, you could quibble. I mean, not quibble. You could argue about a bunch of things and including some stuff, but different ones. But I just don't. It just there's just certain shows that are better. Yeah, so like <laughs> just, just don't ever overthink it, right? Just like yeah, do the yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so I think we'll have to one one day maybe we'll do our. Uh, like um, uh, Mount Rushmore of panic shows, you know, like what's what are the four? Well, I mean, I think it's they're the they're two. You just said two of them, and yeah. you could probably argue for three with um, New Orleans. That was the, the third one you said five five ninety nine. Uh, five five ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the other one too. So there's a bunch of them, but. And then you just have to get beyond personal taste and actually just think about which show is better. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's okay to admit that a show you weren't at is the best show the band has ever played. Right. Um, <laughs> not everybody was at five eight seventy seven, right? But no, or, or eight twenty seven seventy two. Um, but those are the two shows that tend to come up for that other band. Um, I don't know what do fish people think the best show is. I don't think I even know. Uh, the best fish show. 
Yeah. Uh, I think they would give you they would give you like forty five shows broken into twelve tiers. <laughs> and that's an interesting thing. I would like to know what fish fans often consider the best show. I'm going to ask some of my fish fans. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably show. I think there's probably I think they could probably get it to a to a top four would be my guess. I don't know. But again, I think, man, the thing about fish and not to, I don't want to, you know, we're going to lose people here, but, um, and I definitely want to talk to RJ more about this because I don't know it as much as that. I think there really are so many different, um, kind of eras of fish, you know what I mean? Like not only just like they took those breaks, you know, and those were more like, you know, delineated, uh, versions, but like, like different years, they would sort of take on different kind of styles, you know, and I think that probably, drives a lot of what people's taste is and that you know maybe informs their their favorites and whatnot so anyway um well um, hopefully by the next time we get back um the shutdown will be over and um maybe some part of life will go back to normal for for mm. eight hundred thousand workers um, also, thumbs up to all the museums and arts institutions out there that are giving free admission to furloughed federal employees. The Stax Museum of American Soul Music is one of those, yep. as are a bunch of our uh, favorite other museums and art centers in, uh, in, in Memphis and in West Tennessee and Northwest Mississippi. So thanks to everybody for doing that. That's awesome. I think the Tedesco Trucks was giving away tickets to their show in Chattanooga to, uh, to federal workers. Very cool. Uh, and there's a bunch of them over there with the... Uh, Oak Ridge, not, I guess Oak Ridge isn't super close, but Oak Ridge and then, you know, federal workers, especially at uh, Chickamauga and Lookout Mountain National Parks and such too. And uh, props to John Calipari and his wife who donated $250,000 to the 500 local federal employees here in Lexington, Kentucky. So. Well, Christ, I can't, we can't get that. <laughs> Penny, Penny's going to bring back little Penny. And <laughs> Penny... <laughs> Kenny wears a flat tie, and he has a he has hustle boards. He can't he can't compare that. Although he could donate more money than Cal, because there's very few people in college basketball that have more money than Penny. I don't think any probably. Right. Uh, if, assuming he's managed it well. But uh, I'll, I'll give. I mean, I'm I'm a unabashed Cal Perry supporter, but I will give him credit for one thing that he is. The line that he has walked pretty tightly is that he really does not get into politics, and so like. For him to do this, and it's just like he's like, I don't care what, why, or whatever. But it's like we have five hundred people who don't have funds coming in to their, you know what I mean? And these are like, you know, TSA workers and like, you know, janitors and you know, like these people, you know. And so it's uh, love Cal. Anyway, good for Cal. That's awesome. Um, All right. Talking about about two things that people love around here, fish and John Calipari. So, Um, (laughs) and government. Um, Anyway, off my high horse. Thanks to everybody for listening this week. If you haven't gone and gotten your bluest tape t-shirt, I don't know what you're waiting for because all the cool kids will have it. And you've got shows coming up soon. We've got a, I mean, probably too late for the folks in Mexico, obviously, but, um, you know, if you're going to the, uh, to the shows in Washington, DC or, um, where are they playing in Raleigh or Durham? Uh, Durham. if you're going to the shows in Durham, you know, be the cool kid with the, uh, bluest tape driving disco driving 
breathing slow t-shirt. So um, check it out in the show notes from the podcast or uh, go to our Facebook page and uh, it's pinned there to the top. So help support the podcast. Keep the lights on for us. Oh, sorry.